Peace, family. If you like what you hear on our podcast and our YouTube videos, why don't you become a part of a community, a tribe that's changing the game of how artists think. You want to become business-minded, gain generational wealth, get all your royalties? Join Music Legacy Builders at BenjaminENTAcademy.com. Church. Courtney Benjamin. This is Ron D. Listening to Music and Profits. Today we have a special guest in the building. We have Suzanne. Man, when I tell you her book is so dope, Profit First, everybody needs to have this. And I'm telling you, like, when when um when I tell you uh like systems to a whole nother level uh on the money side, because like I thought I was doing something. When I had like the, the three accounts and doing this, you know, having the 33, the 33, then the 34%, but she took it to a whole nother level. So I definitely want y'all to go out and support her, get her book, Profit First. So without further ado, we're going to introduce Suzanne Marika. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I love talking profits, so it'll be great. <laughs> yep, yep. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. You know, I have been a CPA for over 20 years. I'm, I'm, I'm like so grateful for Miss Clara right now. And um, really, you know, as a CPA, I, my background is I'm actually a tax accountant. So I'm a, in addition to CPA, I'm a CTC, which is a certified tax coach that's um, certified through the American Institute of Certified Tax Planners. So what I do is I take literally my clients that have cash flow problems, use the profit first method, and then we create a tax problem and then we solve it. So high net worth taxation is, is my specialty. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, someone, oh, oh, ahead, so as someone who deals uh, with finances all the time, I have business uh, all the time with business financing and business credit and things like that. And People don't understand the importance of this type of stuff. Not only, I mean, making the money is one thing, but keeping it at the end of the year, um, people don't understand how important what you do is and the book that you're putting out, really giving these people this type of information is, I mean, you can't just go out and get a, you can get CPA for dummies, but um, from like how in depth you go inside your book is freaking insane. So a lot of people have to understand that everybody's not giving out this information and get, get that book. Because um, there, I know a lot of CPAs that's not going to give out the information that you got in this book and go as in detail as what, like, like me and Courtney was talking about earlier, um, the way you split the accounts up, we split it up, but you really get into it. And so that's, that's some information that we weren't even doing. So it's, it's, it's really amazing. Kudos to you. Thank you, Ron. Well, you know, the purpose of the whole book was really to shift generational wealth, right? To create Gen 1 legacies because, you know, as people of color, we're the first ones a lot of times to go to college, right? We're the first ones to start successful businesses. You know, I always tell people that my grandfather was a sharecropper from North Carolina. You know, he worked the plantations that once enslaved our family. And so really this whole book was about creating profitable entrepreneurship, right? Because 
literally, I remember my first job outside of college, you know, I literally went, I I grew up in Ohio, I'm Ohio girl, Southern Ohio girl, Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, I went to work for Anderson. And um, for those that are familiar with the accounting where Anderson was like the number one accounting firm in the country, like people like died if you like got to get to that firm. Um, They had like the super high GPA and everything. And I remember I was interviewing and at Anderson and um, literally um, I asked him, I said, you know, where should I live? Where should I live? You know, being not from Chicago, where do, where do I live? And I think that my coworkers met the best thing for me, you know, um, they obviously weren't people of color and here like, you know, you should live on in Lincoln Park or Lakeview and whatever you do, avoid the South side and West side of Chicago is what they told me. And, and naturally, you know, I, I don't think that they even saw color when they were having that conversation with me. And so naturally I followed their advice. I moved to Lincoln Park, Lakeview, right in the corner of Diversity and Sheridan for those Chicagoans out there. And um, I moved into this high-rise apartment where you looked out the window, you couldn't see where the ocean ended and the sky began. It was like so blue. And when you got off the elevator, literally it was, everybody was Barbie and Ken and they drove a Jetta. And when they grew up, they got a BMW. And being the kind of person that likes to explore things and not be in the, you know, just, just curious, right? Just curious. I would literally catch the bus and I would get off, you know, because I grew up on buses and have any shame about that. And, you know, I would take the bus all the way downtown and I would get to Michigan and Roosevelt, right? Right when the world changed and the bus wouldn't go any further from Lincoln Park. And I would just jump on another bus. And I was like, wherever the good Lord takes me, I'm going on an adventure. My mother would kill me, right? And, and as I, it was interesting because as you cross the line, right, of Chicago, and as you, as you cross that line of, of Roosevelt and Michigan Avenue, it was literally like entering a different dimension. I really... Um, you know, the buildings were the same age and I'm going to fix this camera for just a moment, but the buildings were the same age, but what was different was that the, the, there was a difference in socioeconomic difference, right? So you saw more boarded up windows, you saw less grocery stores, you saw less retail, right? You saw more people walking around, you saw more homelessness. And like my colleagues were happy with just saying, avoid that side of town. My mind quickly went to how do we change that, right? How do we change that? How do we create a new reality? How do we up-level wealth? Because we just can't keep avoiding sides of town, right? That's just, that's not the right thing to do. And it was interesting because, you know, a couple of years later, you know, when I started my business a couple of years ago, I went to go visit my aunts and in Chester, Pennsylvania, which is like outside of Philadelphia, which is a pretty hard area to live in. And I remember pulling up my rental car and I remember pulling up right to the alley and I remember looking out and, you know, she comes to greet me and there's this post, right? There's a utility post and it's decorated. It's decorated with like balloons and teddy bears. I remember asking my aunt, I said, you know, auntie, why are, why are we doing this? This is, you know, not a very good source of money. Why are we decorating poles? And she literally said, you know, because we just had a shooting and the back of the alley, a little boy had got caught in a, a, a gang fire. And so, you know, and, and really that's where that trigger happened for me that we just cannot keep allowing the unleveling of wealth to happen in America. We have to change that. And we have to get the word out because reality is, is when we have strong, healthy businesses in our neighborhoods, when we have 
people that are actually making it right. And then not just the Bill Cosby show. We actually have people, your neighbor making it right. They're not just changing their own legacy. They're changing their neighbor's legacy, right? That's how we create equal equality of wealth and quality of opportunity. So that's the reason why I wrote that book and so excited about it. That's what's up. That's so dope. And so what, what, what is a CPA's role in business and why is it so important to have? You know, it's, you don't know what you don't know, right? <laughs> and not every CPA is equal to, which is what I talk about in, in, in my book. Um, you know, a lot of CPAs out there, they'll tell you, and, and it's interesting, it's a common thing that people do is they're so out to evade the tax man, right? You guys heard that, <laughs> just run, just evade the tax man, you know, increase expenses, run everything through the business, right? And I've even heard CPAs say, you know what, you need to go out and buy this truck because you can get a section 179 deduction. And, and I always laugh because I'm like, why would you go out and buy a $40,000 truck to get a $10,000 deduction? I mean, wouldn't it be better to like to have that cash invested in like real estate and like, just, you know, grow your wealth versus just grow it, buy a truck that you don't need. Right. And it's interesting because, you know, as a high net worth tax accountant, one of the things that I will never tell you is to go out and buy a truck unless you need it, right? That's just, to me, that's just gross negligence. It's terrible, but there are a lot of people that will tell you that. Instead, I'll say, you know, why don't we get a little bit more sophisticated? You know, one of the things that's important to see in a scaling business that's, you know, mean growing that beyond that party of one where you're starting to bring on employees is that, profitability goes up when the longevity goes up, right? So the longer somebody's doing their job, the better that they're going to get in it, right? And so profitability is going to grow, go up. In fact, you've even heard that it costs almost 60% of somebody's salary just to hire a replacement, right? And so why don't we create something like a 401k plan that's not your traditional 401k plan, something that has a really, really long vesting period, like maybe six years, right? And what happens is if, if you leave me before you best, right, you, you don't end up being that loyal sidekick that I thought you were going to be. And you, you go down the street, you know, you leave Courtney and go to Ron, right? Um, what's going to happen then is you're going to forfeit those contributions that I gave to you because you didn't stay long enough. You didn't stay contractually that full six years. So you're going to lose part of the contributions. And although I've gotten a great tax deduction along the way for those two years that you were with me, you know, that money is just going to go back into the trust, right? It's going to go back in the trust and I'm either going to give it to other employees that, you know, again, start again from the beginning, or I'm going to leave it in the trust. And when I retire, what's going to happen is all that money is going to go to me, which is the last one standing. So, and in fact, I'm getting a tax deduction, but I'm building my wealth, right? So those are the things that I'm going to do in terms of being able to strategize with you in order to help you build your wealth by not necessarily increasing your expenses, but really using smart tax strategy. Consistency. So you got to stay consistent with it. Don't just keep jumping from person to person. And then you wonder why things aren't building because you starting and stopping, starting all over again, you know, so. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially with profit first, you know, um, if we can talk about profit first a little bit, you know, it's really a behavioral cash management method, right? Mm -hmm. And you got to stay consistent with it, right? You definitely got to stay consistent with it in order to build that, that net worth. Mm -hmm. Right. So Suzanne, um, I know this is going to be kind of a generalized question where it's going to be like, well, everybody's, everybody's situation is different, but what would you say to those people who get your book? 
they're working a regular nine to five job. They're just barely making it. They're like, look, Suzanne, I want to, I've got your book. Will this help someone like me? I work a regular nine to five. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Will, can this get me back on track? And how does that, does that look for that person who not only wants to get back on track, but to start building generational wealth? You know, Profit First is for everybody, right? And the sooner that you start it, the better off you're going to be, right? Because you're going to, you're going to like skip a whole lot of the mistakes that I made, right? When I was starting my business, just because you're going to be on the right path with it. And it's interesting because I'm a backup, if you guys don't mind, um, Courtney and Ron, I'm just going to back up a little bit. What mm -hmm. Profit First is, it's a cash management system. So not an accounting system. I always get people calling me and they're like, oh my gosh, I love that accounting system. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're disgracing my license. It's not an accounting system. It is a cash management system. And, and what that means is literally we are working with your natural human behavior in order to get to your targeted goals. So what that means is that, you know, what's going to happen in a business, no matter how small you are, Ron, right? If you're just starting out, you can start profit first day one. Um, what's going to happen is every time you make a sale, right? Any sale, it's going to go into this revenue account. And then twice a month on the 10th and 25th of the month, what's going to happen is I'm going to allocate money from my, my income account into different bank accounts, right? So I'm going to create small plates, kind of like you know, um, Dave Ramsey's envelope system, right? Where he literally used to use envelopes to save, right? And hide those under your pillowcase. So I don't want you doing that if you're a business because that can be a dangerous thing. So we're going to do bank accounts instead. And what's going to happen is on the 10th and 25th of each month, I'm literally going to take everything that's accumulated in your revenue account. And I'm going to put that in your part of it to your profit account, right? So we're going to have intentional profitability because what we do, the actions that we take, the things that we want that we make happen, it's going to happen for us. So we're going to have intentional profitability. We're going to pay your profit first and it's profit first. We're also going to set aside an owner's pay, right? For you, because, you know, it's so interesting because when I meet entrepreneurs, I ask them like, who's your most value payer? Who's your MVP? And they'll tell me, oh, it's Tommy, it's Sue, it's Amy Bath. And I'm like, well, what about you? What happens if you step out? You're actually the MVP. And, and Sally and Sue, they won't be there if you miss a payroll and neither should you, right? So we need to make sure you as an owner pay yourself first. We want to set up an owner's pay account. And then we want to set up a tax account, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, that's just, if you drive the Bugatti, you're going to have a tax man, you were successful. Okay. So we're going to set up a tax account so that in a year, you're not like sweating bullets. You're not worried about how am I going to pay taxes because you've already reserved for that. And then the last account that we're going to set up as the operating expense account or the OPEX account. And that count is there for you really to create that illusion of scarcity, right? It's like dieting in small plates. The bigger the plate it is, the more I'm going to eat. The smaller the plate it is, the less I'm going to eat, right? And so that's the same thing with OPEX. The reason why I separated all those other accounts is because I want to limit my spending, right? Because I want intentional profitability. And so that means I have to make decisions like, okay, if I'm starting my business right now, yeah, I can go ahead and rent a place, right? A studio. Um, and, or I can say, you know what, I'm, instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to hire an assistant. We're going to work virtually, or we're just going to work from my basement and we're going to be able to do more, get better supplies, right? Invest in some of my marketing. And so really the operating expense account is where I have to make everyday decisions about how I'm going to spend my money. And you can do that no matter how small your business is, how big your business is, how new your business is. Everybody can be on profit first. That is awesome. 
what uh so Suzanne, what um you know what does what made you decide to just start doing cpa work into the finance industry do you got are you the first person in your family to get into to this type of industry or you know i am really lucky and i tell all you entrepreneurs to consider doing this you know my first job was when i was 14 years old my dad hired me to be his bookkeeper literally hired me to be his bookkeeper. I was doing sales tax returns, payroll tax returns. And like, they didn't even have QuickBooks back then. I think it was like Lotus one, two, three or something crazy like that. And literally that was my first job when I was like literally 14 years old. And the benefit of that is one, you know, I love, I love Malcolm Gladwell. He wrote this book outliers. And one of the things that he says is you'll be an expert in 10 years. So literally by the time I graduated from college, you know, at the, when I was turning 24, I was an expert, you know, just when my, 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 my colleagues were learning to, to graduate, but one of the best things you can do is hire your kids, right? Because, you know, if you're a sole proprietor, right, it's our LLC, single member LLC, if you hire your children, they make less than the standard deduction, okay? What happens is that they are not subject to Social Security and Medicare. They're not subject to Social Security and Medicare. And if they make less than a standard deduction, they pay no tax at all. So imagine that you being this amazingly successful entrepreneur, you're in a 37% tax bracket. And because your child is working for you, they're in a 0% tax bracket, right? And literally they're making earnings that, you know, they're paying for the family vacation, you know, they're paying for their own sports, but they're not paying any tax on it. Talk about income shifting from that standpoint. So it's an amazing strategy to hire your kids. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, that's good to know too. Cause I, I, I have my kids working with me, but I didn't know that part. So, okay. Shifts yeah, of I mean, income. I, I knew, I knew that part, but I, I, the majority of people don't. And I'm definitely going to supposed to be hiring my son this year. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's 14. That's, that's funny. Oh yeah. 14. Uh, you can do some serious work at 14. Yeah, so that is awesome. Oh, whoo, she's Suzanne spitting yeah. that heat already. A lot of them yeah. telling you these are things that you guys gotta know. You got any questions, C? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and that's that's the whole purpose of, of us doing this podcast, this uh, uh music and profits podcast, because uh, behind the music, you know, you get the money coming in, but you don't know what to do with it, you know, and like some of these tax strategies and um and like the cash management strategy and uh, and uh, profit first you know, these are going to be tools that help you get to where you need to be. And as music legacy builders, that's, that's what we're here for. You know, we, we want to see generational wealth because all that music is going to outlive you. So you got to be able to, you know, take care of business when it's time to take care of business. So, um, and speaking of that, what, what drives you uh, through the rough patches of your business? Cause like, you know, we all go through those rough patches and we be like, man, I'm, I'm about to throw in the towel. I'm done. You know, it's interesting. And I imagine being in the music industry, you know, just when you're down, which just when you think that the last gig has passed you up, that's usually the big turning point, right? That's usually the big turning point where something is literally about to turn the corner. You know, everybody talks about the overnight success, right? And they're like, man, like overnight, this person did it. And there are no overnight successions, successes, nope. right? It's every day, one step at a time, you know, I, like I told everyone, one book at a time, right? One book at a time. And um, that really lead you to where you're going to go. Okay. That, that's right. And see, um, it's something, that, the story I tell all the freaking time, and I know they're tired of hearing it from me, um, is that 
when you talk about the overnight success, like you said, with your CPA, you, you know, you started when you were 14 to get your, you know, kind of get your feet wet. And that, that's longevity. That, that took work for you. you had to, and you had to start early. So um, I told C when I first started um, producing, it was, uh, I was 18. I didn't, I couldn't even afford a laptop. I was using someone, someone else's laptop, put all the software on his laptop and was asking him to borrow it like every night, every night for like two years. And so it was just, it was, it was interesting. So um, that's that you're at, you're hundred percent correct on that. So the question I have is for me and C, obviously we're, I have other businesses, but the one we wanted to focus on was the music industry record labels. Um, with, with your book, how would this help as far as from a record label executive situation? And as an artist, could they read this book and be like, you know what, I can do some of this stuff myself. Now I have a better understanding of what I should be doing from a, not only from a, a, a CPA standpoint, but from a generational wealth standpoint to make sure that I can keep my money, you know, cause I mean, the music industry is one of those industries where people lose money every day. Every day you hear another artist be like, yeah, I'm, I thought five years ago, I was supposed to, you hear it all the time. They get screwed over a lot. So for that type of, uh, from an artist perspective, could they use this to at least be able to understand the concepts of generational wealth and how to keep their money from a record label? Would this be uh, beneficial for someone in that position who has a team and stuff already and things like that? I know it's like a two-part question, but sorry about that. No, it's absolutely okay. And, you know, like I said, it, it can really be used for everybody, right? Because as an artist, you know, you have to know, you know, exactly what winning looks like is what I call it. Mm -hmm at the end of the day, what is it that you want to accomplish, right? Because that's going to really create the strategy for how you're going to get there, right? Because, you know, if you want to be a, a small artist, right? Um, you're gonna, and, 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 and you just have a comfortable life, right? You, maybe it's going to be more of a, a gig type of environment, right? Where you've got to make sure you're charging the right price for your gigs in order to, to earn what you want to earn. And, um, you know, if you want to be a mega artist, right, and have like a record label, you know, what strategy needs to, to go in for me to get that? How many records do I need to sell, right, algebraically, in order to, to reach that lifestyle? And then what strategy do I need to do? Maybe I need to be beefing up social media, pumping up my, my presence, and, and really just getting on those tapes on the street, right, to, to, to build that following in order to sell those millions of records, right? And, and so again, Profit First is going to help in terms of thinking about how am I going to create a strategy to get there to my end goal? And then if you're a record producer, right, you're scaling a business at that point, right? And you're going to have to think about how much can I afford to give up, right? And margins to pay my artists, right? Because um, you got some mats and subs there, you know, and how much do I, can I charge for this record, right? Or, or, or maybe it's going to be a special label, right? Maybe it's a special label of a limited edition. Um, you're going to have to make some very, very serious decisions in order to reach that profitability. Got it. Maybe those concerts have to be, you know, uh, very, <laughs> very, it's going to be very expensive to schedule those concerts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's, uh, that was a good point that you made about, um, about the, the money, you know, like a lot of artists, they kind of, they kind of try to undercharge their sales because they're scared of that. No, they're like, no, I'd, I'd rather just take, you know, a uh, hundred dollars for this show. When you know, your show is worth $10,000, you know, stop undercutting yourself. And that, that was one thing. Uh, when I first read the book and I saw that, how you were talking about, um, about uh, knowing, you know, knowing your worth and everything. That, that's one thing that's real important to know your worth and don't be scared to charge. And 
how, how would you how would you tell somebody to get out of that uh, imposter uh, syndrome? You know, trying to you know being scared to go in different rooms or feeling like they're not worthy to be in certain rooms and everything. You know, it's interesting when you do something and you continue to do it, you get more of the same, right? And I always tell people that, and you know, if you've got negative margins and you just keep compounding negative margins, guess what it equals? Negative margins, right? (laughs) It's not going to change for you. And so to really break through a cycle, you have to do things differently, right? You have to do things differently. And if right now you feel that you could only command that $100 per gig, then what must happen for you to command more, right? What must happen? You have to create demand, right? You have to create demand of, you know what? C is not available to do this concert. You know what I mean? He's just not available. He's only going to do five per year. And this is how much he needs to charge to get these five per year. And, and, and Lily just algebraically thinking about, you know, I don't want to do a gig every night, right? I don't want to do a concert every night. So how many can I reasonably do? And what strategy do I need to do to increase that, that demand? And, and, and that's, that's another thing, like Muhammad Ali said, you know, your eyes can't hit what your eyes can't see. So if you don't know your margins and you'll know what's going on in your business, you know, it's, it's going to be kind of hard to set that, set that goal up and be like, Hey, look, you know, I'm only going to do five shows this month, you know, after that, you know, but if, if you don't know where your, your money is or no different things, you know, it's, it's just not going to work out. And positioning too, right? So maybe yes. you only take certain gigs, right? Maybe you're not going to do the, 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 the small ones, maybe they're going to be bigger events, right? Maybe they're going to allow you to sell merch, right? That you can help. And they've got a big enough crowd that, that it makes sense that you could have other sources of income in, in addition to the, to the merch. So it's just, you know, it's just a bit, or the, the concert. So just being able to know what strategy do I need to employ to make this amount with this number of days available that I can do, do, do it, spend doing this. Yeah, and, and I, I like how you uh, how you said about the leaders uh, like Colin Powell and uh, Ben Carson and uh, Dr. Ben Carson. I actually got a chance to work with him. Uh, he, he was my first movie that I was in. And uh, just the details that we went through in the strike. It, it was like when we were filming, it, it was like that whole 16 hour, 16 hour process on that surgery. Like we were actually brain surgeons. I, I felt like I could do brain surgery after after that, you know, but but like knowing how to be a leader and then take charge is so important, you know, with, uh, with that. So what, what advice would you give to someone um, on leadership and, and knowing, knowing their roles? You know, this one's a little bit complicated and it's going to, it's going to take one to really dig deep on it. If you keep waiting for permission, nobody will ever give it to you. Nobody will ever give you permission that you deserve to be in the room. You just have to take it. Yeah. Say it again. Nancy, that's she just dropped the bar right there. Wow. Church. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, that, that that was it right there. Man. I mean, I mean that well, you, you got any more questions? Because I think she just 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 man. Yeah, yeah. So um a lot of times people um look at CPAs and they be like, well, you know. Taxes, 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 that's the first thing people think, but people forget about the actual financial planning and budgeting part of it. That's, you know, one of America's biggest, you know, that's the biggest, um, I guess you could say downturn of what people struggle with the most. Like people make money, but they they spend it recklessly a lot, the majority of the time. 
And when you go and look at it, um, those are those are some of the type of things that um, that a person making ten dollars an hour and not having no money left over at the end of the week, and another person making nine dollars and they always have money. Financial planning, financial strategy, strategy, budgeting, things like that. My kids are 14, 11. I'm already teaching them stuff. Already got debit cards, already got everything, already have LLCs and things like that. So what type of tips would you give to someone who's making not a lot of money? And for, for those who want to, um, and for those people who have children, who they want to like, look, this is, this is what you do with a little bit of money. I always hit you with these two-part questions. I'm sorry, Susan. I, <laughs> but someone who doesn't make a lot of money, who, who how important the financial planning portion of it is and what tips would you give them? And I know it's kind of on a case by case thing. And that's why you need to get the book mm -hmm. profit first. But, you know, whatever you can tell us right now. You know, I'm going to say this, Ron, um, and that this is going to allow you to carry over to multiple industries on this one and multiple situations is. Start with what winning looks like, right? Start with what winning looks like. And I believe it was Stephen Covey, and he talks about the rocks, right? The big rocks and the small rocks and the jar, right? In a jar, you have a certain amount of value and that's it, right? But you can actually get more rocks in it depending on how you place the rocks in the jar, right? You put mm. the big rocks into the jar first. And then you put the smaller pebbles in, right? In order to fill that jar up. And that's a lot like life, right? And that's a lot of like business. It's all about rocks, priorities, and what does winning look like? And so as a business owner, one of the things that I think about when I think about expenses is return on investment, ROI, right? What is going to generate me a return on investment? Meaning that I'm a steward, right? My business is a gift. And if, I, if I'm a steward, then you know, what am I going to be able to do in order to grow my wealth? Right. And, and, and so, you know, yeah, you can go out and buy the Slurpee. I'm, I'm going to say, you know, my kids love those, but yeah. you know, when it's gone, it's gone, right. It's gone, it's gone, you know, but Ron, you said a good thing. One of your first investments was a laptop, right? Because you knew that was going to open the world for you, right? That was going to give you an ROI. So just knowing that I know when, when my kids, their first business, you know, I, I, I would give them a little money. And in our office, I said, you know what, you can start a little vending machine. Now, you know, I didn't want to invest thousands of dollars and give them an actual vending machine. So instead I got them a little like cardboard box, right. And that, that it could, they could put their candy in the honor system, you know, and, and, and literally I said, this is your seed money. This is your initial candy, right? What kind of candy is selling? You need to buy, we, we figure out it was Snickers and M&Ms that sold, right? Because <laughs> people like those chocolate peanuts. And, and literally you're going to take this, this, your profit and you're going to buy more candy, right? You're going to buy more candy. And, and literally what they learned to do is they learned to think about, okay, if I got to buy more candy, I can take profit which candy is selling fastest, right? Which candy is selling? If I buy those just chocolate M&Ms with, with nothing in them, they sit there and they go stale, right? <laughs> and so they literally had to figure out which things were moving, which things were were literally turning over. And so they were running a, a retail business before they were even like 10 years old because they were learning to think about return on investment for every step that they made. That's right. It's funny that you bring this story up, mom. I was nine and my little brother was eight. And uh, one of our first businesses was cutting grass. And my mom, she, um, and I, the typical African-American boy story, single mom, not in the best neighborhood, 
blah, blah, blah. So we had this lawnmower in the back that we never used because the city would come cut our grass, but it worked. Me and my brother went back there and found out that it worked. We ended up cranking it up. We was like, hey, this thing works. So we started doing the most old school way you could think of, door to door knocking. Hey, would you like your grass cut, such and such and such? So those were our literal first businesses. So we'd get the money, go to the store, put gas um, back in the lawnmower and we'll split the profits. It was stupid stuff, buying candy and chips and, and stuff like that. But we always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I bring that up and I, I got I gotta, you know, I'm gonna get deep a little bit, Suzanne. So just just work with me. So as as a person like me, a person of color, a person like us, why do you think we're not following these strategies as of yet? I mean, because we got a lot of smart people in our community, but for some reason we're behind and we can think of a number of reasons. But if you had to do it, do it as a person who's who has a book out talking about this thing, talking about finances, which is the number one thing we should be working on at this point. What do you think is holding us back at this point? You know, I think it's a lack of conversation about the subject, right? We only know what we know. Um, You know, I was lucky that, you know, my dad had a business and I was able to start learning from him at 14, right? But so many people don't have that background. So I think it's just normalizing the conversation of wealth and normalizing the fact that we deserve wealth as people of color, right? There's there's nothing that's holding us back. You know, it was interesting when I wrote this book, um, I was very tempted to fill it with statistics, very, very tempted to fill it with statistics. And at some point I was I had my 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 intern researching statistics and I was like, why are we doing this? Why are we researching statistics? These are so discouraging, right? And what if somebody believes these statistics, you know, and actually like limits their potential? What happens? And so we made the intentional decision to scrap all statistics from the book. And instead, what we decided to do is, you know, um, I, I'm a scientist at heart. And I, I and many of you guys have heard of that bell-shaped curve, meaning that there were some people on the other side of the curve, on the low side, some people on the high side of the curve. And I said, what if we focus on the outliers then? What do we focus on the people that are killing it, right? What do we focus on the people that are killing it and dissect what they're doing and write about that and and really give people the the ability to imitate that, right? And so literally I interviewed some of my clients that were, you know, seven figures plus and really killing it on profit first. I interviewed other entrepreneurs that were killing it. And I said, you know, tell your story, tell us what you did to break the cycle and become the gen one millionaire in your family. And it was interesting as I was going along, one of the questions I asked each and every one of them was, you know, tell me what was your biggest hurdle? What was your biggest struggle? And obviously with this being a book for people of color, minority business enterprises, you know, I expected one or two to go, you know, it was the man, the man was holding me down, you know, what I mean? and keeping me down. <laughs> And I was so surprised that when I, and, 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 and when I approached it, I approached it from a very scientific standpoint, meaning that, you know, I asked a question straight face, did not offer anything. And it was interesting because everybody asked, told me something different. They said, you know, it was learning how to manage people, right. Learning to trust my own unique spark, learning to like, you know, understand its inventory management and processes, but nobody said it was the color of their skin. Nobody. And these are for Gen 1 millionaires, right? Nobody said it was the color of their skin. And I said, I think we're on to something, right? Because we all know discrimination exists, right? We saw what happened to George Floyd. We know what, what that it exists. But we are in a unique time in history right now. 
I mean, look, we don't even live in the same state, right? And we're like having this great conversation, this camaraderie here, and we're hopefully changing lives across the screen. The at, at this particular point in history, because of the technology, because of the transparency, right, with things, we are at a moment in history where we really can start to pivot and control and own our own destinies. I love that answer. I love everything about that answer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and that's something I try to teach my boys. Obviously, I got uh, two black boys. There's no denying that. Um, but I'm, I'm showing them early because like you said, one of the key things that you said multiple times, you don't know what you don't know. But now that I do know, my job is to make sure that they don't be like, well, this is no, and nothing will hold you back because I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be there to put you over the hump. And whatever my ceiling is, is going to be your floor. So you're going to have a nice starting point to whatever, whatever I got going on. So, um, man, I, I loved everything you just said. Yeah. That's a great way to raise those boys too. That's <laughs> my expectations. Yeah, exactly. So they, they already know who I am. Like literally when I go pick them up, um, I know they can't stand it, but they'd be all right. So when I'm riding through, like we have this thing where we ride through, I don't turn on any music. And what I do is we go down and I put on pointing to things. Like I point to a house and I'm like, you see that house? Like this, this would be an example of a question I asked. I was like, if I put, if I buy the house for $50,000 and I put $30,000 worth of repairs in it, how long would it, and I rent it out for a thousand dollars a month. How many years will it take before I get my money back? So I would ask them questions like that. They can't put no paper. They can't use no calculators. They can't do anything. So I'm like, look, you guys work together and answer the question. So those are the type of things that I ask. Sometimes we listen to music, but for the most part, I turn it off and we ask questions the whole way. And so I want to get them into the habit of looking at things like that. Because kids right now, it's easy for them to just start getting on YouTube and just forget about life in general. I remember we used to go outside all day. I don't know what yeah, happened. For real. But, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I don't, the only, I'm like, look, the only thing that's going to hold you back is you. But as long as I'm here, I'm going to make sure that you got all the information and you got all the information now. And so uh, they do, you know, I want to go ahead and get them started early. And that's one of the things that, um, I can't remember what the statistic was um, about starting the kids early, but I want to start as early as possible. Yeah. Early as possible and as often as possible. So, mm. um, and see, same thing. I know he does the same thing with his children. So, um, man. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 amazing too. And 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 like she says in the in the book too. Um, again, the book is Profit First. So um, make sure y'all minority know business uh, enterprises. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right, that's right, that's right. And, and so, uh, quick, quick, quick question, Suzanne. So I know Profit First is pretty much explanatory, like self-explanatory the name. Was there any particular backstory that got you to say, you know what, I'm going to use Profit First specifically for the title? You know, Mike McCallitz is actually the original author of the, of the original book, Profit First. So Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises is part of the Profit First family. And, you know, Mike is a dear friend of mine. And, you know, it was interesting because I was going to write this book two years ago and I was just going to write it just about my own journey. And as I was sitting down to write the book, I was like, man, this needs to be under the Profit First brand because I'm plagiarizing this man. <laughs> it needs to be under the Profit First family. And so, you know, Mike and I talked about it. And, you know, of course, we added a whole different spend with the government contracting that I talk about in the book. Um, as well as the government side, as well as Profit First. So it, it, it's so it's part of the Profit First family and and in its entirety. And oh. actually, Mike, actually we we he wrote the the forward for the book, Profit First oh. for Minority Business Enterprises. 
Awesome. Is, is this your first book? This is. This is my first book. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but do you got any other things in the works, like as far as a second book, or you got some some things that's going to expound, that's going to ex uh, expand based off of the Profit First book, or? Well, you know, I wrote this book to change lives, so it wasn't necessary to become an author. It was just to change lives okay. because I was gotcha. tired of being told that just don't oh, go to that side of town, right? I was tired of that yeah. mentality, and I'm like, we're, we're going to show them that they're going to want to live in our side of town pretty soon. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's funny because I have a good friend of mine who does uh, real estate, and uh, one of the things, oh, I wish I had him on right now. One of the things that he said is, um, this is the exact same thing you said. Avoid that part of town. He was like, nope, I do all my real estate in that part of town. You know what I mean? I'm just like, it's, you could change lives over there too. For whatever reason, we, I don't want to get into real estate over there. It's people, it, there's other people doing it. So why can't we, that's a whole other conversation, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, I'm gonna probably get my kids to read that book. Man. Yeah. Profit first. Cause people don't understand how important it is. And, um, the thing I like about Profit First is like you just said it. You said, look, I'm not trying to be off. I'm just trying to change lives. You could have easily been like, yeah, I got Profit First part two, part three, part nine coming out and just, you know, but you're doing it out the kindness of your heart. You actually, someone who's um, who done it 14 years old, not too many people can say I've been doing this since I was 14 years old, anything. So um, outside of athletics or something like that. But that's just an amazing backstory and uh. Yeah, I think I'm gonna get my kids. Is can my 14 year old kid can he can he jump in this and and really understand what you got going on in the book and profits first? It sounds like you have a smart 14 year old kid. I oh, mean, yeah. you're doing some pretty complex math already with Very. you know whole build out cost and original basis. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it sounds like you might have an accountant on your hand there, <laughs> which is really great. Um, and and you know, it's 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 really you know it was interesting. When I asked myself, you know, and, and I'm not, a, as I've been practicing for over 20 years, you can kind of do my age now and in and, and your, and your head, you know, one of the questions that I asked was, you know, if you could leave the world with one thing, you know, what would that one thing be? And I said, you know what, it would be my knowledge and mm -hmm. that would be the book. And so, um, you know, it's interesting because the book also has another part to it. Like in the beginning, I talk about it. One of the things that I said is let's not just stop here in our communities. Let's make an impact around the world. And so one of the things I did was I set up a permanent endowment with the book where a dollar for every book that's sold is actually going to a 501c3 to provide scholarships to, through Hope Worldwide to girls in Zimbabwe. And the reason why I chose Zimbabwe is because, you know, the government pays for them to go to college, but they oh. don't pay for their primary and secondary education. And so I said, wouldn't it be awesome to, and a lot of parents struggle financially to pay for this. I said, wouldn't it be awesome if we create a scholarship fund that permanently gives to these girls to go to, to elementary and secondary school, right? Because, you know, if you don't give girls education, what happens is they become a wife, they become second wife, maybe third wife, maybe fourth wife, right? And it's going to be pretty hard to tell a woman that's a doctor that she has to be a third wife, right? right. And so let's change these legacies here with that. And so that I, I'm really proud to say our book came out May 25th. And on Monday, I found out we had already funded 15 scholarships. And, and, and so I would say to your viewers, to your listeners is, you know what, what is the impact that you would want to leave in the world and how are you going to leave that message to the world? 
Wow. Wow. And, and like you said, knowledge, knowledge is so important. Um, Cause I, even when I, when I went to the bank to, to start off, to start my five accounts, they looked at me like I was crazy, but I was like, uh, nah, it was somebody else, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that just goes to show you just, just because they work in the banking industry, they don't even have the knowledge, you know, it's just important to, to get that knowledge. And then the importance of collaborations, you know, you giving back at the same time, you know, and that, that's, that's just a, a blessing, you know, so. And see those type of those type of tips that you put in your books, Suzanne, you, I like I like that because, you know, it's kind of like I kind of equate it to people that want to start going to the gym. It's not about going to the gym so you can lose 50 pounds the next week because that's not going to happen. But it's all about building habits. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, and so we got to get not only is it, it's not only about losing weight, but it's about building financial habits. Let me put let me do this. Let me do let me get these five accounts. Let me put this to let me do this because. Once you get into a habit, you're always going to do that. You're always going to refer, and it works, and it's going to work every time. So, um, yeah, very, very <laughs> bravo, Suzanne. And a rising tide raises all boats, right? So, yep, absolutely. When we help each other, we we improve, right? It makes my my kids' life easier when they get out there, right? Yep, absolutely, definitely. Absolutely. You got anything else, see? No, I was just going to see, uh, just tell our listeners and viewers where they could find you on social media, uh, where they could purchase the book, and it's Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises. So uh, make sure that y'all go grab that, and if you could let our, all our listeners and viewers know where they could follow you and all that good stuff. Thank you. Um, so the best way to, to reach me is we have a free Profit First Masterclass, and you can find that if you go on Facebook, and it's called Profit First Masterclass with Suzanne Morega, because I think there might be a lot of masterclasses, but with right. Suzanne Morega would be the one that you want to find. And we, we give out free classes. We literally teach you how to employ Profit First in your, your business, whether it's a new business or old business, we teach you. That is awesome. Um, give out your, I get, uh, so they wanted them to go through the site, give out your social media. Uh, if they want to come find you and harass you about books and stuff like that you know i think most of the handles everywhere um some some of the names have been taken already but it usually has a suzanne marie again <laughs> somewhere just find just yeah just find just type it in and see if we can just find you um yeah guys make sure you please go out and get this book um i'm actually thinking about getting a few copies i might get a few copies and uh, whoever uh, signs up for the masterclass, I might give them one for free and buy them one and ship one to them. So guys, get that book. Um, we talk, we spend money on all types of stuff, but when they were talking about financing and things that help your mind, we just, we don't think about it for whatever reason. So um, yeah, thank you so much, Suzanne. You, yeah. this, this freaking amazing. And thank you for the opportunity to have you on our show. And uh, it was it was definitely a blessing. I was like I was gonna step out on faith and um you know and, and reach out to you and, and and you responded right back. I was like, well, look at God. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Yep, and I and I thank you for also changing my 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 thinking and my staff, everybody. So you know, I, I made sure everybody on the staff had had copies, and then Aww. I got the digital book as well too. So thank yep. you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and for tuning in and viewing. Uh, we want to thank you all for music and profits. And like we said, the music will outlive you. 
So take care of that money, take care of your business, and we out, church. <laughs>